The Hill Talks, a podcast by The Hilltop. Hello, hello. I'm Juan Ben Jr., your host, bringing you three stories you need to know, coming from the nation's oldest black collegiate newspaper. This week, we're talking curfews, mental health, and the booming podcasting industry. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Last month, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser announced she was enforcing a juvenile curfew for children and teens aged 16 and younger. It went into effect at the beginning of September as a way to tackle the rise in juvenile crime in the district. I spoke to Foley Quavey, a news and politics reporter at the Hilltop, who reported on the curfew. Can you just explain to listeners exactly what this pilot program is? So essentially, the pilot program aims to reduce juvenile crime in the city. It applies to children that are 16 years old and younger, and it's enforced between 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. Sunday through Thursday and 12.01 a.m. and 6 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday. The Juvenile Act has been in effect since 1995, but it's not routinely enforced. There's been a huge increase in crime in the city, so this is one of the many strategies that Mayor Bowser and the new police chief, Pamela Smith, are using to reduce crime. Put this into figures, how much of an increase in crimes committed by young people have we seen in the past few years? I don't have the specific statistic on just juvenile crime. There's been a 29% increase in homicides compared to just last year. And violent crime increased 38% and property crime up like 29% as well. So there's been a huge increase in crime. You talked about some of those cases that happened this summer on Howard's campus with young people in crime. I wonder if you can talk about those cases. Yes, in the case of the construction worker, it was a 14-year-old who was arrested and charged with the murder of Rafael Gomez, construction worker working near the campus. And outside of Towers, four Howard students were assaulted and robbed. One of them was stabbed and later hospitalized. I think those two instances led to the increase in security measures around Howard. You talked to people in the Howard community about this policy and about the mayor's enforcement of this policy. I wonder just how are people feeling about this? We're an HBCU. Majority of the students here are Black, and we're young Black people on campus. Historically, we have not had the best experience with police officers. And so there is the skepticism of like, if this is really going to be beneficial or how are Howard students going to be impacted by this? Foley Quavey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Next up, Howard University Counseling uses Suicide Prevention Week to boost awareness of mental health. Sierra Latham is a campus reporter for The Hilltop. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Last week was National Suicide Prevention Week, and the University Counseling Services held an open house to make students more aware of the services that they have available. You were there, and you talked to some of the counseling staff. What were they hoping to get out of hosting the open house, and why did they even host it in the first place? Yes, so I talked to uh, Dr. Ruiz Washington, who is a staff psychologist there, and also Dr. Christina Barnett, who's another staff psychologist at University Counseling Service. And they both said that their hope for the event was basically to showcase kind of the resources that their offices offer and let students kind of into the space to see where they can get support. 
You also talked to some students there who attended the event. What did they have to say about mental health and being at Howard? I heard a lot of interesting student perspectives. One student who was actually at the open house, Vonick Sentville, she talked basically about how she kind of came to the event as a way to prepare herself for the rest of the semester so that she knows like the resources available to her. A lot of students come into university counseling services because they are trying to prioritize their mental health. Other students I talked to, she's a freshman, so she wasn't really sure about Howard's approach to mental health. But I know when she was talking on her own experience, she was just saying that a lot of the time schools and institutions don't really provide resources that are like reflective of the needs of the student body. And she was going into how at her school they would have assemblies after there was an incident of another student that was self-harming. And they weren't really they weren't really hitting the mark as far as getting a message across that students are supported. And so with that, I wonder if you can maybe possibly shed some light onto what kind of services does the University Counseling Office have and what do they offer? So their main kind of uh, service they offer, they offer short-term counseling, which means that a student can get eight free therapy sessions per semester. And then if you need additional support outside of that, then They'll help you to arrange that. They oftentimes connect students with other social workers in the DMV area. So you wrote a bit about how there is hesitation in going to a counselor. There is hesitation into seeking help. And that's especially within the Black community. And I wonder if you can talk a bit about the stigma that students may feel that may prevent them from seeking help. Mm -hmm. There definitely seems to be an acknowledgement across student and staff at the University Counseling Service that there's a stigma around uh, just even talking about mental health, even saying the word mental illness or suicide. One of the students I talked to kind of said that it's hard to even reach out for support because if you express that you're even thinking about suicide or thinking about your own mental health, then people kind of make assumptions. And I think one thing that Dr. Ruiz Washington was touching on is that though we're in HBCU, Howard is does not have a uniform student body. And a lot of the students come from different cultural values where talking about mental health and suicide are taboo. Well, Sierra Latham, campus reporter at the Hilltop, I really appreciate you um, for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicide and is in need of immediate help, you can call HU Counseling's 24-hour crisis line at 202-345-6709. That is 202-345-6709. to end the show with one of my favorite topics to know me is to know i love podcasting and i've honestly never met anyone who loves podcasts as much as me that was until i chatted with marcellus williams he's the hilltop's newly minted business columnist and he wrote his first ever column for the paper on what is the booming industry of podcasts marcellus i wonder if you can tell me why you chose podcasts as a topic for your first column i wanted to write about podcasts simply because I'm just an avid podcast listener myself, and I've been able to experience real time how fastly 
this industry has grown like right before my eyes across all of the platforms that I consume media on like Spotify, YouTube, radio. And I've just in real time witnessed how much podcasting has grown. And so that sparked my interest into researching more about it, which led me to write the article. Over the years, we have seen the listenership and just the industry just grow. And just earlier this year, Pew Research Center reported that almost half of Americans have listened to podcasts in the past year. And major music streaming and media companies like Amazon, Sirius XM, and iHeartMedia have also just doubled down on their investments and put a lot of money into podcasts. So what factors have contributed to this rise in listenership and investments in the podcasting industry? I would say that just the growing consumer base really podcast is a very interesting and unique way to connect and share your story to the rest of the world and because it's grown so much we've seen advertisers latch on to that growth and so all this ad spend that's being generated over the past couple of years is super satisfying to investors as the consumer base grows more and more people have their ears and eyes on these podcasts which means that more ads can be seen. And so when we see these companies like iHeartMedia and SiriusXM invest into their own development of podcasts, we can correlate that to the rise in ad spend, which is projected to reach billions and billions of dollars in the next couple of years. Clearly, there's a lot of money to be made here, and there's a lot of room for growth and a lot of potential for growth. And like you said at the top, you know, I've also been an avid podcast listener for years, and I've just seen how the industry and how the apps on my phone, right, have so many different shows and different kinds of ways of storytelling. And I wonder, with all this growth, where is the potential for growth for Black people? Where do we fit in here? That's a great question. And I think that we fit in right where we're supposed to. And what I mean by that is that in podcasting, you can essentially create your own space and your own story. As young Black people or just as Black people in general, we look to stories that we can relate to. And in podcasting, there's not that many big ones. There's the Joe Rogans. We have Emma Chamberlain. We have Call Her Daddy at the top, but we don't see those headlining podcasts be people that look like us. And so I really appreciate what people at Howard are doing, like the Hill Talks, the HU2U podcast and other student-led podcasts that are able to share the Black story and the Black voice, just connecting with each other and putting that out for everyone to enjoy. You opened your piece with this beautiful line where you said that podcasting is more than a trend. It is a revolution that has impacted how we connect with the world around us. And I wonder if you can just speak to how you see podcasting changing, how we engage with our communities, how we tell stories. At this day and age, podcasting is like the new TV. Folks of my generation, we grew up watching cable TV and watching our favorite shows, but Kids that are younger than us, they're growing up on modern media, which is podcasts and, and streaming. This is how they are becoming culturally competent, basically, through consuming this new form of media. And podcast plays a huge role in that. So real quick, what are some of the podcasts that you're listening to that you think listeners should be put on? All right, all right, all right. I prepared for this question because I knew that this was coming. So my favorite podcast right now it's kind of basic i really like listening to emma chamberlain just because i feel like she's just so authentic and so i just love turning her show on on spotify and like when i'm on a walk or something it's very gen z based so that's the kind of podcast i find myself gravitating towards and then i also just like random 
informational podcasts on NPR. I listen to that a lot. And obviously, Thomas is not an option. By Don Lennon, yeah. That's the podcast that I listen to when I want to stay politically relevant with what's going on in the world. Wow. Well, you gave me some new recommendations. I'm sure our listeners are going to tap in, especially if they're already listening to this show. Marcellus, thank you so much for joining me, and I can't wait to read your next business column. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Hill Talks. This show would not be possible if it wasn't for the hard work that our reporters at The Hill Talk put in every week. Special thanks to those who shared their stories with me and you today. I hope you all enjoyed our new theme music. It was all originally produced by my friend Terry Thomas. You can find more of his music on SoundCloud. Just look up TJ2, that is the letter T. J and the number two. You can also find him on Instagram at tmtjr.12. This episode was written, edited, and produced by me. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of The Hill Talks. This is where I leave you. Till next time, Bison.